0: Well, as much as I would like to offer a very you know, happy homily, because I'm such a happy guy, um, <laughs> the truth of the matter is that as we get toward the end of the church year, uh, we tend to confront here these words of Jesus, which are, which are much more severe and more demanding. And so in, in fidelity to what we've received from the gospel, um, I have to offer that message forth to you. The first thing we have to understand, it, the word talent here doesn't mean what we probably think it means. A talent was a, a measure or unit of, of a precious metal normally. So it could be you know, copper or silver or gold. And one talent of that was a lot, a lot, a lot of treasure. A lot of money. So when the Lord gives one talent to somebody, he's giving them an, an exceptional amount of treasure, of resources. That's what he's giving the three servants. And when he gives five, he's giving an incredible fortune. But even the one, he, the one servant, he only gives one treasure or one talent, he's giving an incredible treasure as well it's a lot of money. Like, I don't know, I, I was talking to Father Frank about it and he said, well, depending on, on what the talent was, was it a talent of gold? Was it a, ta- a talent of you know, silver? He said, but it could be, in today's you know, unit of, of money, it could be $300,000 for one talent. It could. Be, no one really knows. It's a lot of money. So the master gives them this treasure and he expects a return. Well, when you have that much treasure, I mean, just imagine having something like a half a million dollars. It's actually not that hard to increase that when you have so much. It's hard to increase wealth when you don't have any, obviously. But when you have all of this excess wealth, that has been given to you. It's not really that hard. You know, he even says at the end, you could've put it in the bank. You know, you get, I don't know, what do you get now? Do you get 3%? I mean, you get something, not even 3%. I don't know, I see it every month and I always think that's it, that's it? It should be more. I know they're using it. You could've put it in the bank and gotten something, but you put it in the ground. Because you were afraid. You were afraid. You were fearful. Your fear stopped you from multiplying my treasure. So, the parable here is obviously meant to convey to us that the Lord has given us some of his treasure and he expects a return. And if he doesn't get a return, there are harsh penalties thrown outside where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Harsh penalties. So then we have to say, well, okay, well, what treasure of God's has been given to me, to us? I've been thinking about this for days, and I'm just going to go with two. And the first one is, you know, really the, the preeminent treasure and gift from God, which is life itself. Without the gift of of life itself, without being created and being created in his image and likeness, without being created as an embodied soul such that we can exist for eternity with him, without that initial creation, nothing else comes. So the first gift of God's, which is life, because he is all life, Or he's the fullness of life. He gives us that life. He creates us in his image and likeness. So, what does God want us to do with our lives? Well, God wants wants you to be a really successful businessman. I don't think he cares. God wants you to be a teacher. I don't think he cares. He wants you to be a doctor. I don't think he cares. He wants you to be a priest. I don't think he cares. Now, hang on. Who else can I get? I want you to be a mother. I don't think he cares. What? I don't think he cares about us securing those positions. He cares about what kind of mother we are. What kind of business person we are. What kind of priest we are. I am. He cares about the quality of the person, not the attainment of any particular office or position. And of course, this conflicts so much with the the typical pursuit in our culture, which is, you know, this pursuit of success in whatever it is. And we might even get lazy and say, "Well, you know, I." I I became a teacher and I love to teach. That's good enough. No, it it matters what kind of teacher you are. It matters how you treat your students. It matters if you continue to pursue excellence as a teacher. It matters if you're leading them to the truth or merely to your opinions. He cares what kind of physician you are. Not just that you're a physician. Well, isn't it good enough to, to be helping people? No. It's not good enough. Are you a loving physician? Are you kind? Are you truly pursuing your patient's health? Do you do you really care about your patients or is it just a job? And we could go on and on I think you get my point. It's not the thing itself it's what kind of person we are becoming. That's what he cares about. I don't think he cares, really, if we become this or that or, or the other, if we're not becoming a better person, if we're not pursuing holiness, if we're not pursuing virtue. That seems very, very clear and evident from the Gospels. And this can be become difficult if, if all we're doing is pursuing You know, you think about somebody maybe who's going to college and they're thinking, well, you know, I want to pursue this because, uh, yeah, I'm going to pursue accounting or finance or something like that because, you know, it's going to provide a good life for me and my family. Again, that's a worldly concern. It's not without value, it's not meaningless, and it shouldn't just be cast aside. It matters. But far more. Does God care about becoming someone who is good and holy? Now you have to look at it this way. The Lord is coming back. Now he might come back before you die. But he's definitely coming back after you die. To each one of us individually. Every single one of us. What kind of father are you? What kind of mother are you? What kind of priest am I? That's what he cares about. And one day, one day, he's gonna judge us. You might say, well, Father, you know, enough with the fear. No, a healthy fear of the Lord is good and virtuous. To understand what he's up to. He's trying to make us into better people and holy people. That's what he wants. He wants a return on the gift of life that he's given us. And one day, we will stand before him and have to give an accounting. That is just true. The second gift that I'd like to highlight this is a gift that comes from God, is the gift of faith. The gift of faith. The theological virtues are gifts that come from God. Theological, theos, God. They're God virtues faith, hope, and love. They come from God and they're meant to lead back to God. So we're given the gift of faith, particularly at baptism. We're given this virtue of faith, but the Lord wants a return. There's a lot of people who seem to live their lives as though faith is just either something they have or they don't have, is something they can lose, my faith is dependent on, you know, my church or, you know, how good the homily was today or how good the music was today or whether I'm bored or not. That's not what faith is. If we're basing it on, the, on, on those things, nobody would come to church. That <laughs> was a joke. <laughs> faith is not and ought not be dependent on anyone else. It's something given to each one of us individually as a gift from God, and he expects us to nurture that faith. And that means, I don't want to go to Mass today. So what? Go to Mass. Children, husbands, some wives, but I don't want to pick on the women. I've learned... I'm not even married, and I know that rule. (laughs) I don't want to go to Mass. Do you think I always want to go to Mass? Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I'm ornery. That's what my dad would call me all the time. But we do what we know is best for us, particularly when it's hard. That's when virtue grows. I mean, the truth of the matter is that I I generally love to come to Mass. But once in a while, I have a bad day, as we all do. But we do what we know is good for us because it nurtures our faith. Well, sometimes the priest uh, preaches something I don't like. Yeah, I, I know. I'm sorry. I'm doing my best. I don't always like the songs. I know. I, you know, Chris is the best I could get. <laughs> He's pretty good, though, isn't he? Um, well, sometimes I don't, somebody sits in my seat. I mean, it's amazing the little things that set us off. That guy looked at me wrong. He pulled out in front of me as I was leaving church. I mean, there's all kinds of things that set us off. But, but, but also, you know, faith hopefully is nurtured here really well. I mean, hopefully, you know, you feel like you're fed here. That, that is the goal, is to, to feed you with God's word and, and his word through the music. And, of course, preeminently in the Holy Eucharist and through the community. Hopefully, you're here because you feel that. You feel the love that is here. You feel the good that is here and the hope that is here. But God expects us to be faithful out there. And I don't mean the people sitting out there. I mean out there with the secularists at work and at school. When we're around the people who don't have faith and don't agree with us. Do we remain steadfast in what we believe or are we cowards? God does not need cowardice. He doesn't want it. That was the problem with the one guy who buried his treasure. He was afraid. That's why he was thrown out, because he lived in fear. God has no room for that. Because if we have fear, it means we're not trusting him. That doesn't mean we act imprudently, it means, though, that we remain steadfast in our faith steadfast in what we believe, and we are not ashamed to say it when necessary, to defend the Lord and to defend what we believe, our relationship with him. Ultimately, when the Lord comes for us, each one of us, there's not gonna be anyone else there. Every single one of us will have to stand before the Lord and he will judge us, and he will judge whether we brought a return, some kind of return on the gifts that he has given us. Let us not return to the Lord empty handed